opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about what happened at the Fed meetings this week. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Diego Sanchez, COO of HW Media, and I'm joined today by Alex Ilazai, Chief Strategy Officer at United Wholesale Mortgage. Thanks for joining us today, Alex. Hey, Diego. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, I mean, the Broker Channel's had a great couple of years of growth. Do you expect that growth to continue in 23? Yeah, we do. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, in the third quarter, uh, which was the latest quarter, actually fourth quarter, is about 22.5% or so of the market is broker now, which is, I think, at the highest since 2009. So we're continuing to see great trends in the overall growth of the channel. And we expect it to be 33% by 2025, 26. Like, that's uh, what we're expecting to, to, to see the numbers come in at. And a lot of that is being driven by just literally hundreds of retail loan officers that are leaving retail and joining wholesale every single month. So those numbers are continuing to do great. And we're actually seeing as another example, uh, Diego, at UWM here, You know, we have about four to 500 loan officers that come in every single week for success track, which is a great opportunity for them to learn, develop, network, and help grow the overall broker channel together. So you're seeing a couple thousand people a month uh, that are coming in. And that was happening in all of last year, right? And all the years, you know, several years before that when we started. But if you think about like the times that we're in, right? Everybody talks about a lot of the negativity and that's what the usual focus on. But the reality is people are excited about it. Brokers are excited about it. The market's growing. And at UWM, obviously being 100% wholesale, no other company in the mortgage space is better positioned than we are. I love seeing the confidence and the leaning in that's happening at UWM. Alex, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Thank you. It's good to spend time with you. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Wow, wow, wow. What a crazy time we live in these days. This is a crazy day. So we uh, we are doing this mm-hmm. on Wednesday afternoon after the Fed meeting and after the Fed Q&A. So we did that on purpose. Let me ask you this. What was the headline news out of that? What I took from that is the passing of the baton from Fed rate hikes to the Fed hoping that tighter banking uh, credit standards will get the job loss recession that they want. Um, And they kind of really just didn't really want to talk about that maybe the Fed rate hikes caused some of the uh, uh, hectic banking stress, but they acknowledge it's there. And uh, they even talked about even pausing rates, which was funny just because not that long ago, uh, when uh, Jerome Powell was talking to Congress, he said, we're going to Fed hikes, hikes, 6% Fed funds rate, da, da, da. and then now it's like, oh boy. Um, so it looks like they begrudgingly just went ahead with this quarter hike. They didn't really need to do this. They're forecasting now much lower um, uh, core PCE inflation data than what their terminal rate is, where they think the uh, rate is going to be. It's no longer any kind of discussion of the 6% Fed funds rate that was born on Monday, March 6th. It died on March 12th, Sunday. Um, and now they're just kind of, well, we we know that 
tightening of credit is 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 going to be hurtful for the economy. So they're really emphasizing that, and then just let's see what happens. Um, and that's where we are right now after an event like this. Uh, and the ten-year yield was just back and forth, back and forth, and. Uh, we couldn't break the Gandalf line. We went up about 25 basis points and we came all the way back down to the Gandalf line by the end of the trading day. So um, my main take is now they're they're just moving on and waiting to see how bad uh, does the economy get with credit getting tighter, which was already getting tighter uh, uh, anyway. And they're, they're hoping that gets them the job loss recession, unemployment rates higher, which here's another... Uh, historical conversation. The Fed on one hand said, you can't have a good labor market with high inflation. And then on the other hand, they say, the labor market's too tight. We have to break it. They don't know what they're doing. Okay. Just they're, they're making stuff up now, you know, um, and they're just, everything's an estimate and we're just, they're, they're deer in the head- headlights at this point. And we'll see what happens in the future. But again, now going back to the original premise of the 2023 forecast with bond yields and mortgage rates, uh, uh, the economic data runs front and center. It doesn't look like, I mean, it doesn't appear like we're going to get any more rate hikes anymore. And uh, we're just going to be in this period of waiting to see uh, what the economic data looks like with credit getting tighter. And that might be a few months um, before we can make anything out of it and take it from there at that point. That's why I talk about it's going to be the baton from rate hikes to credit getting tighter now. So that's a pretty big reversal um, of what we saw, as you said, just a, a couple of weeks ago when when I think one of the uh, headlines for this podcast was aggressive rate hikes and, you know, is he going to come off of that, whatever. And then, you know, nothing like a banking crisis to uh, change things. The Federal Reserve should just count this as a blessing. Because they were going in a direction that I I I just I, I I say this over and over again. They had a plan originally just to front load all the rate hikes and just stop and just let it take its course. We all know that there's a lag period, but for some reason, November, December, that's why I say it, somebody spiked the Fed's eggnog at the Fed Christmas party. And they all went into some different area where I mean, this is a historical whiff. We went from 6% Fed funds rate to national banking crisis to, oh my God, I hope the tightening of the credit gets what we want. Uh, labor market can't be good with inflation or labor market's too tight. They're all over the place. They're, they're not very sure of themselves at this stage. So just take it as a victory. You messed up the first time. It's okay. Just endure, right? You already did so much so fast, right? And just sit back and wait. Right. And if the bond market is telling you we're going into a recession or you need to cut rates, listen to them. They were right the first time. Right. And uh, uh, you don't see any more kind of defense. I mean, I know uh, Powell was talking about, oh, we don't we don't plan on having any rate cuts. It's not like, oh, the the bond market is wrong. Everyone's wrong. We're not going to cut it. We don't plan. Right. So you see a different kind of speech pattern, different body language. I mean, he was so flustered. He even got the CPI data wrong. He said that 44% of PCE, per- personal consumption expenditures, is, is sheltered. No, that's not the case. If that was the case, inflation would go much lower. It's CPI. So, you know, they're dealing with a lot of things that happen in a very short time. But I think just the p- baton pass. And now we just got to focus on the economic data. Because if you looked at the economic data last week, it wasn't bad at all. I mean, retail sales missed barely and the revisions were positive. Housing data was good. So it's not like 
uh, uh, the labor market's breaking. It's going ahead in the future. And the two-year yield is just not believing anything the Fed says, um, especially after this banking crisis. And I think the Fed is banking on tighter credit, getting their unemployment rate higher that they've always wanted for the past uh, year. Did Powell answer any questions about the fact of like, you know, did he take responsibility for like the Fed broke broke this? I mean, they're responsible for SVB or? You know, I, I wanted one question asked today that didn't get didn't get asked, but it was the, you know, in November, you believed, you said it, that uh, you don't see any financial stress. That's the question that I thought, you know, you, sh- you should be asked. Uh, I, we, I don't see any financial stress coming from our tightening or, or raising rates so much so fast. And look what happened. National banking crisis, emergency funding, all these things happened. So, um, you know, hopefully, I'm, I because the fact that they were talking about a pause, you know, and he even brought it up, mentions that hopefully that was the wake-up call, right? And uh, nothing, nothing more crazier than having a national banking crisis wake you up from, hmm, maybe this isn't working. Um, and the, the thing is that they're still forecasting the growth rate of inflation to fall. So uh, uh, in, just take it as a victory, do whatever you need to do to keep banking stable uh, uh, and uh, go with that. Don't don't get your people out there and talk about, well, we need higher rates. We need higher rates. It's not working anymore. Now, it's now if there's another shoe to fall, it's on you second time. So listen to the bond market. No more rate hikes. Endure the next six to 12 months. Watch for the uh, data to catch up to it. Uh, uh, and we'll take it from there. And I think that's that's one thing to uh, remember from this uh, Q&A is that we need to look at the tightening of credit and credit growth. And that's where at that stage, basically at a very end of an economic expansion, you start to see credit getting tighter and then jobless claims start to rise. And at that point, I think 10-year yield follows, mortgage rates follow. We've done a lot of crazy things with the uh, Fed funds raid, mortgage-backed securities, all this stuff. And the 10-year yield today, last time I checked, was 343 this is not the 1970s. It never was the 1970s. You put all your disco shirts and shoes, everything bat. That was always nonsense. And the bond market always told you that we've run through two years now of, of dealing with a lot of this inflationary data. And the bond market said, we don't believe you. right? And they were right the whole time. And he ran into a banking crisis. And uh, for whatever it's worth, this could be a blessing in disguise as long as credit stays somewhat normal, it could get tighter, but uh, getting normal uh, might bail the Fed out of this one. So remind us, you you mentioned earlier the Gandalf line in the sand. Remind us what that is. Remind us why it's important. So before the year started, I talked about the 10-year yield. If the economic data stays firm, 3.21 to four and a quarter. 10-year mortgage rates, 5.75 to seven and a quarter, assuming the spreads are still bad. But there, there are technical levels that we talk about in the tracker. We draw these lines and say, okay, this is going to be a hard one to break up here. And that's going to be a hard one to break up there. So here around 3.42, some people will use 3.37. You, you, you get that area right there. We've not been able to break under this, no matter what has happened, uh, economic data, bad, good, or uh, national banking crisis. That would be a very big deal in, in, in my mind. If we can close below this level and then get follow-through bond buying, 
uh, after that. So far, that Gandalf line has held up uh, much tougher uh, than than even I thought. But again, the economic data itself is still jobless claims are low. Uh, people are still consuming goods and services. Uh, you know, the housing market is still in a recession in terms of sales and, and future production, but everything else is somewhat intact. But if that breaks, oh, the 10 year yield wants to go lower. You know, uh, uh, it just needs that economic data because after that, uh, the Fed has nowhere else to hide. And then it becomes, it becomes a, another whole discussion about the Federal Reserve because they've even talked about, we're not going to cut rates if people are losing. No, they have talked about their dual mandate today a lot. Uh, they, they mentioned that a lot today. We're our dual mandate, our dual mandate, our dual mandate, which is to facilitate uh, uh, jobs and for uh, price stability. So we've got a whole different ball game now, but uh, there was a lot of passing it off to, oh, maybe the credit getting tighter is it. And uh, that, that was our last rate hike. We'll, we'll, we'll take the data one month at a time. And that's where we are, which is, is much different than two weeks ago. Much different. It's so crazy. So what you just said about the jobs is that that's part, you know, their dual mandate is, is inflation and jobs. So you think that if the jobs break at all, they will cut rates? Is that what you're saying? My whole premise is that 323,000 on the four week moving average. If we get to that level, the labor market is broken. What does that mean? 323,000 jobless claims. That means people are falling for jobless claims. They're not finding jobs. They're taking unemployment benefits. When we get to that level, the 10-year yield will be well ahead of the Federal Reserve because- The Fed is old and slow. Yes. So because they're not going to react quick enough, the bond market's already somewhat ahead of them already, especially the two-year rates. Then I think the language changes because the Fed isn't, unless it's like a total national crisis, the Fed's going to go, hmm, what should I do? What should I do? Yeah, what just should we say? for our listeners, he's, twir- he's twiddling his thumbs. Yeah. So what should we <laughs> yeah, do? So um, the bond market is telling you to cut. The bond market is telling you to cut right now. But in any case, uh, the language changes after we break above that because then everybody's talking about a recession at, at that point. And uh uh, then it becomes when do they start to cut rates? Uh, but again, for the mortgage industry, for everyone else, it's always about the ten-year uh, 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 yield and mortgage rates. And again, when mortgage rates fall down, you know, as as they do, uh, the mortgage-backed security spreads. The spreads are really wide. The market is stressed, but still, the historical relationship between the ten-year yield and mortgage rates has still been intact. It was intact in the late 70s. It's intact here. Spreads could narrow wide, but or get uh, narrow, but the 10-year yield falls, mortgage rates will fall. That becomes a more interesting story, especially after the last existing home sales report we got. Yes, we'll talk about that, but I, I want to zero in on mortgage rates. You have a range. You have a range for the 10-year yield, and then you have a range for the mortgage rates because you mm-hmm. always say they're like slow dancing or they're in a marriage or something like this. Yes. uh, Very colorful language for these two things that always stick together. I'm If I'm in mortgage, if I'm in real estate, I'm like, give me some specifics on what does the mortgage rate look like with what you see happening with the tenure? So the spreads are still very wide and got worse. Um, Right now, currently we should be at like six and a quarter or six and one eighth. We were at, we're probably going to be at 6.5, some, somewhere near there. So we have a difference in the uh, rate spread, but mortgage rates can have a five handle again. It really does need the labor market to break though. Uh, um, or the bond market really starts to anticipate a recession. 
And because the 10-year yield has never really broken out like it did in the late 70s, hopefully by now people who are like waiting for like a 10% 10-year yield or something, that's not happening. Okay. So uh, uh, right now the range for the year was 5.75 to seven and a quarter. We have stayed in that range. I think 7.10% was the high level, 5.99 was the low. Uh, When labor market gets weaker or the bond market just says, hey, listen, Credit's getting tight right now, and that's what we all have to adapt on. We have a new variable in this equation. If credit gets tighter everywhere, especially with regional banks and commercial banks, credit will contrast, demand will fall, labor will be released. The bond market will get ahead of that when that when that occurs. For me, before this new variable, it was needing the jobless claims to get above three point uh, three hundred twenty three thousand. Has not even remotely gone there. We we've only briefly gone above 200,000 for not that long. Um, So now it's just now focusing on credit, 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 uh, credit growth, credit contraction, very late stages of an economic expansion. That's what people look at and and worry about. Uh, And it looks like the Fed is just basically handing the baton off. So still in that range for mortgage rates, but now it's going to be interesting now that we've Basically, or the Fed has basically said, listen, we're kind of done now and we're just going to let it off here. So whole new ballgame, whole new parameters, uh, uh, whole new things that we're going to take into consideration with the weekly tracker. But uh, uh, as of right now, still everything looks looks right to me just because the economic data is still firm. But now it's the anticipation of the recession happening or the job loss recession because the uh, uh, Fed has acknowledged that yes, credit getting tighter is almost like a few rate hikes. So we're we we don't want to talk about that. We're passing the baton off. Okay, so obviously the Fed meeting, huge news, but we had some other reports which you just alluded to. We had the existing home sales report. We had purchase apps. What do you want to talk about first? Well, existing home sales report, huge number, huge beat. But again, uh, you know, we made that video, a funny video of a few of a few weeks ago where we talked about always follow the forward-looking purchase application data. It has worked since the 1990s for a reason because it doesn't care about your ideological takes of housing. Uh, it just follows a set of numbers. And November 9th, right, November, December, January, all the way up to February 8th, the purchase application data was positive. Nobody really wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted to talk about it in November and December, but all that was was future demand getting into the system. And we had near 600,000 homes in one month, right? These monthly sales can be uh, really wild. Uh, but we had such a very low bar to work with. This is what I call trying to interpret economic data with a very high velocity. This is something I talked about in the summer of 2020. Like We're entering a stage of data being very wild. I'm not sure how many people are trained to look at data like this. So we, we talk about low bar, low bar, that first bounce when it happens is going to look really big. Well, that's what happens with 12 month or 12 weeks of positive data. And then rates spiked up, right, from 5.99% to 7.10%. Three weeks of negative purchase application data brought us all the way back to levels in 1995. Then all of a sudden, the last three weeks, today and the last two weeks, three weeks of positive purchase application data. So what do we know? Since November, we've had more positive housing data on demand than we've had negative, right? We don't have that waterfall dive in demand anymore. We're finding a base to work with, and then we kind of take it from there. So always remember that line in the sand, that 4 million existing home sales monthly. So it's really rare for us to break underneath there. 
and we're going to work that three weeks of negative data is going to hit the existing home sales report uh, in the coming months. But then we have three weeks of positive data. So we take it one week at a time and then we take the comprehensive data as a whole. And then that's how we look at housing when we had such a collapse in demand. We find the stabilization and then we try to see, can we grow from it? Uh, uh, and that's why the tracker is created. The tracker is designed to look forward because I'm, I'm asking all of you people here that are listening. I don't remember anyone talking about data getting better in November, December, or January. I talked about, I heard a lot of people talk about the big housing bubble crash and everything, but nobody talked about the forward looking data getting better. And look what happens a huge, tremendous, big number in sales and in context to that 4 million uh, uh, line in the sand. So I think we, we need to look at the data in respects to this very wild and crazy moves. But if the forward data is better, my, my, just from my personal experience from watching the financial media, Wall Street, and trolling groups, they don't read forward-looking data. This is what happened in 2014 as well. 20, purchase application data got back to the levels we see today, and they said housing is done. And all of a sudden, we had all these months and years of positive data, and they just simply ignored it. So one week at a time, take the tracker. It works. It's always work. It's a series of numbers that works together, and it's better than people. Why? Because people can lie. Politicians can lie and poets can lie. Numbers are the closest thing to the handwriting of God. Yes, yes. Go. Okay, so you talked about the four million uh, line in the sand. Where are we right now? What, well, four, what is- we, we've almost got to four point six million on the monthly sales. Now that's a very, very sharp bounce from a really, really deep, uh, deep dive in demand. Um, so remember, we we don't have a demographics issue anymore. This isn't like what. You know, I used to talk about in the previous decade from 2010 that the housing demographics in the previous expansion were more designed for renting because we had a lot of younger people and older people. So uh, that th- that household formation needs time. We have a lot of people ages 30 to 39 now. So uh, if you get anybody moving, right, move up buyers, move down buyers, first time home buyers, cash buyers, investors, you put it together, you you got enough people there for demand. It's all about rates. And we really see these really tight correlation to mortgage rates and weekly purchase application data and, and home sales that it's because the data is so wild. Uh, it, it's, it's, I don't think people have the experience of like looking at this and thinking, wow, because trust me, nobody was talking about existing home sales getting near 4.6 million uh, uh, any time this year. So work off the data. We will work off this data. And that's why the tracker is here to take everything in aggregate whole on the weekly basis and look out, right? Bond markets, 10-year yields, purchase application data, credit tightening, economic expansions, recessions, everything all into one article each Monday. And then we, we go at one, one day at a time, one week at a time, and we will walk through this together as it should be, walking with data, not with people. Yes, and that's the housing market tracker, which, as you said, we publish every Monday. Sometimes we publish it on Sunday. So the last couple of weeks we've done Sunday because so many things have happened on Sunday with with uh, the government trying to get ahead of the bank crisis that that we actually put it out early. Yeah, we put it out early, and then I had to get up at one uh, fifty three a.m. to do the CNBC interview because it's uh, real estate week on CNBC, and uh, they let it off with guess who, you know. So, um, and you know, one of the things about in that CNBC interview that I talked about that's relevant today, 
Uh, Powell and everybody's talking about credit getting tighter. Again, I reinforce this, this, this mantra of mine. We are so lucky that Freddie and Fannie are not publicly traded companies because they are not part of this discussion now. If they were publicly traded companies and their stocks were falling and people, oh, they need to raise capital. They, we got that whole drama there. This is the second time now, COVID and this period of time where we've had banking uh, crisis or questionable, you know, is credit going to flow? And because they're in conservatorship, they're kind of protected from that. And uh, I, I stress this time and time again, that is such a benefit to the United States of America then some people wanted to give that up. And I, I tell you, we've had two events right now in history that has proven why these two should not be publicly traded companies. They're too important to the credit flow system of the US. And of course, imagine if we were relying on regional banks for all mortgage lending or was something to that nature. You got, you got issues there. Uh, but thankfully, Freddie and Fannie are not. And we don't see the big drama headlines from them like we saw in you know 2005 to 2008. Do you think we're done with seeing some of those uh, bank failures, bank uh, you know collapse things for the regional banks? You know, history says there's another shoe to fall here, um, but they they are really adamant about making sure. I know Janet Yellen did something. You know, there's a congressional question like, is my small bank in Oklahoma not? protected by you because we're too small. And she kind of said, well, there's no systemic risk. She realized that was a mistake. Uh, and yeah, now that's she's, a big mistake. Yeah, that's she a panicked big mistake. everyone. And then, uh, and then people are, whoa, 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 whoa wait a second. You know, so uh, she's kind of come back and said, listen, everyone, everyone will be insured. And they're thinking about, you know, if, is there a legal setup to where the FDIC can insure all depositors uh, in that case? So for now, it doesn't look like there's any more uh, bank run issues. But again, we are in a different stage here with the credit tightening, and then we're just going to have to see. But if it is true, if the Federal Reserve is this clever, stop the rate hikes, you know, just endure, endure. The same thing I talked about like November, December, just endure. There's going to be a lag impact from all these rate hikes. You already had one national crisis. God, if you get another one on your books, they're going to be talking for people to resign. Don't risk it right now. You've already done. Take the victory lap. You made a mistake in November, December, down. I don't know what what you guys were drinking, but don't do it again. Endure, and if the bond market gets lower, don't fight it this time. Right? If stocks go up or you see good economic data, don't be so hesitant. Don't don't do what Neil Kashkari did on CNBC: six percent mortgage rates. Oh no, people might buy homes and have sex and have kids. That'll be bad for us. How are we supposed to like? It, it's 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 making you guys look bad. I mean, like Jay Powell said, oh, by the way, you can't have good uh, a good labor market if there's high inflation. Two minutes before, the labor market's too tight. Too many people are working. We got to, you know, you're, you're starting to sound a little bit crazy, right? Calm down. Take a deep breath. Endure, right? Endure this one and just keep an eye on credit. Keep an eye on the banks. That's your job. And just make sure nothing else cracks because the whole your whole premise was to, we don't want to over hike, so we have to cut. Well, the bond market's already pricing cuts. And you're like, well, maybe we don't cut. I don't, we, we don't have plans. We don't have plans is not like, we have no, we're never going to cut right now. They're already looking like, uh-oh. So take a deep breath, get us through the line, land the plane. Don't crash the plane, land the plane. 
there is no reason to crash the plane now. I mean, just yeah, like- yeah. I mean, at this point, I mean, it's just so it's so frustrating for someone like me that's was said. Listen, I'm not a Fed pivot person. The Fed just set specific rules, but they went with the premise that we're going to overhike and then stop, and then let everyone know we're going to stop and then endure. And then they changed it, and look what happened. We already got one national crisis. So learn from your mistakes. Let the uh, one thing I'm glad is they're going to have they're going to let all the open investigations happen now. Uh, um, uh, not from the, just the Federal Reserve. And hopefully that pressures them not to like put your head down and just say crazy things all the time. And uh, we got a whole new ball game, right? This is a whole brand new ball game from what it was two weeks ago. I'm very excited about all this. This will be very interesting. And the investigation you're talking about is uh, on SVB, the Fed. Yes, you're, you're gonna. It's not going to just be the Fed. Uh, we're going to manage our own investigation. No, other investigations will come, and I, I think that's good. I think again, who watches the watcher? Now we have other people, right? And I've always believed that you 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 got to sometimes let people know you're there, and uh, um, getting knocked on the head. You know, will wake you up and and hopefully you be a little bit more disciplined. I think F- uh, Fed uh, Dudley, one of the the New York Fed uh, person, you know, a few weeks ago, six percent Fed funds rate. We need to create higher unemployment, higher it. And now he's like, oh, we're hard landing. How are they turn right? What do we, what do we always say here? They're flippers. They 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 squirm right. They're they're not. You know, well, once anything happens, oh 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 oh, wait a second, wait a second. So. Um, Take this data, understand that the Fed is moving the baton to tightening. That was a lot of the discussions that they believe that the tightening that's going to happen with the banks will get them the unemployment rate they want or their credit contraction. And then uh, we'll take it from there. I mean, it's all it's all economic data, right? It's, it's back to where it should have been, all economic data right now. So we just have a few minutes left, but I wanted to ask you, you put, um, you, you named that housing was in a recession uh, last June. Do you expect us, do you expect housing to still be in a recession this June? Uh, yes. Um, for, for me to get the housing market out of the recession, number one, I, I always think of, uh, when we think of economic cycles and housing, we think of housing permits, right? So the builders still have more homes under construction that they haven't started yet than active listings. So for housing permits to start rising again, uh, they need to get rid of their backlog and new home sales have to grow. Uh, existing home sales, for me to think uh, we're out of this uh, 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 downtrend in sales, 4.72 to 5.3 million, at least eight to 12 months of home sales getting back to that level. That gets us into the lower end range of what we had in the previous uh, uh, um, uh, cycle. So that's even though that's nowhere close to you know the 6.5 million we had uh, in January, that gets us back to kind of a normal trading uh, trading a normal sales range of five million uh, total existing home sales at that point. There, I would say, okay, the existing home sales has enough uh, demand there, and then new home sales, if they could just get the backlog and monthly supply down, and sales can grow, they've got permits. Uh, 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 that can grow with it. That's when I start to think about, you know, the housing uh, recession is over. Nowhere close to that yet. So we are we are almost to first year calendar one. And think about it in this in in the housing sense. Imagine if the U.S. was in a recession for one year. That's what the housing market's going with right now. So if the U.S. recession was, you know, one year, everyone would be screaming. Rates need to be cut. Rates, you know, so the housing. Uh, Market was the 
bastard orphan child and left alone in the middle of the street, raiding day, and the Fed just say goodbye, and they've kind of zonked out and not saying anything about the housing market. Uh, the only comment they made today is, housing market is weak. Duh. Okay. Um, so again, but I always emphasize, we did see buyers come in when rates got to 6%, which means you know a lot of people are getting rates below that. Uh, uh, the low bar that we had that we were using that 4 million is not here anymore, right? So we have a higher bar. So we just try to work off that equilibrium between supply and demand and where sales can trend. But we, that hard bounce that we saw was because we really, really worked from an extremely low bar and we take it from there. So we're going to, we're going to set numbers and parameters of working because we've already seen that historic bounce in demand. Uh, and that's again, a lot of that is just a very low bar, and uh, these things happen when uh, economic data, especially housing data, gets very wild. Logan, thank you for walking us through that. Thanks for listening to the Fed, interpreting it for us, and we will be looking for um, more output from you, more content. Thank you so much. Oh, it's just getting fun now with everything that just happened today. Brand new ball game with the Federal Reserve. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles brings together the nation's most elite brokerage, association and team leaders, C-suite leaders, and top producing agents to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's Gathering of Eagles is at the Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th to 21st. Learn more and register your spot today on the events page at realtrends.com. We can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.